Tonight, for you, I have a story. Sit with me by the fire, if you can see it in your mind. Same as it always is, roaring up the chimney that goes who knows where in this castle. Rooftops have crumbled up and away into outer space. Ghosts keep rearranging the walls on me. The black hole is eating up everything brick by brick. But the couches are still comfortable, and the blankets are still soft. And we are still together, telling stories in this room. I can let go of the castle and still adore it. So, here we are. Is your other body in a house? In a room? In a bed, maybe? In a car? A bus? Walking down a sidewalk? No matter. Somehow you are here, now. Listening to the same sound I am. Once upon a time, there was a writer sat at his laptop, trying his best to come up with a novel. It wasn't his first time. He had written others. Adventure novels with thrilling battle scenes and heroic protagonists. Romance novels with desperate lovers and dastardly villains. Science fiction novels with faraway worlds and unusual inventions. Horror novels with unquiet spirits and monstrous creatures. He had written his autobiography. He had written research essays on historical events. He'd contributed to a graphic novel. He co-wrote a young adult fiction series. He'd written plays, dialogues, newspaper articles, reviews of his peers' work. He had tried his hand at absolutely everything that there was to write, or at least that's what it felt like. And he'd had the most success a writer of his middle age and lauded status could ever seek to have. But he had one more book he had to write. He didn't know what it was. He hadn't planned a genre. He hadn't devised a story arc. He didn't have a character in mind. No clue whatsoever as to the length, the intended audience. Nothing. He had no idea in mind other than that he must write one more book because he had to fulfill his final contract with his publisher. Nothing more. He did not delude himself 
of course, to think that writing from contractual obligation was conducive to genuine creativity. Knowing this did not absolve him from his obligation, either. But he had done this many, many times before, and he felt certain he would be able to do it one more time. Surely he could. Couldn't he? He sat in his office. It had been hard won, this office. In his youth he wrote wherever he could find peace and quiet, and when he was struggling in his career he had to tune out sounds of the city from outside his apartment window. But in this stage of his life where success and funding was abundant, it was everything he dreamed of. His writing space. Quiet. Spacious. Clean. Clear. Organized. The exact color he needed to focus. Minimalist artwork that was inspiring, but not distracting. And yet here he sat, and what good did it do him? None whatsoever. But he would get himself out of this. He always did. He opened his laptop and began to write. It didn't matter what about. What was important was that one began to write. The characters would introduce themselves. The story would unfold quite naturally. He was a pro. The best of the best. Maybe it felt like there was nothing left to talk about. Maybe perhaps it might just be time to sit. No, he thought to himself, that is death. That is death for a writer. I have a book to write. I can do it. So he kept going. Writing about people and places that came out so naturally, because how could they not? He knew about people. He knew about places. Easy to talk about them. Easy to bring them to life. He could decide what they did, what they liked, what their problems were. It was all nothing to him. But maybe that was the problem. That creating people was not the issue. Caring about them. Being interested in them. That was the real challenge. A word count was easily attainable. 400, 500, 600 words poured out one after the other. He could go back and make them more interesting later. But in the meantime, it was the coldness he held towards him that was the most concerning. No more inspiring heroes. No more terrifying villains. No more alluring seducers. Even his autobiography, he'd allowed in adoration for himself. Why not? These people were just people. Just like the people he drove by on the road to the farmer's market. 
just like the people he stood on the elevator with on the way up to his penthouse condominium, just like the people on the news, coming and going, living their own lives as he lived his, neither liked nor disliked, just people. What more was there to say about them? He heard, suddenly, at about 800 words or so, a sound. A faint hum. Layered, low, seemingly many voices in unison. So quiet, almost imperceptible. It was so strange, it stopped his fingers in their typing. What was that? Ah, never mind. It must be a trick of his ears. It would pass. On he went, writing. The characters he wrote about encountered strange and unexplainable things. He often felt a pull to take a break, go inhale, make up a drink, have a nap, read someone else's book, watch something on the television. But even if they didn't inspire him, Even if he didn't have the same feeling that creating worlds held when he was a younger, more hungry writer, he had to honor them, these characters, with his presence, with his attention. That is the least they deserved. They were trying, his characters always trying, just like him, trying to create something, to change something. In this particular instance, a painter she was, a painter in a time and place very different from his own, in dire circumstances, trying desperately to catch the attention of those in power about the suffering of a people, trying perhaps in vain, but with all the strength she had in her, trying to communicate through images what she knew in her heart was right and what was wrong. She was trying, but she failed, in favor of more conventional, acceptable paintings. But she was trying, His characters were always more courageous than he was. He was past his prime. He had written his most powerful novels, or at least that's what he told himself in excuse to not put any hope in this final novel being anything important, any significant success, any real and influential meaning. 
but perhaps the knowledge that it was his last one could help him towards even a modicum of bravery. No, he wasn't brave. Not like his protagonist. Well, truth be told, she wasn't always like that. No, no, he had to create a character with development. She had to grow. She had to change. If she wanted the world to grow, to change. Through it all, she was afraid. She was a small, 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 small part of a big, 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 big machine. She didn't want to be. She didn't understand the way it worked. She didn't know why it appeared that so many people had to suffer within it for so few people's happiness. She didn't know why vengeance and greed were the batteries the machine seemed to draw its energy from. But she was good at painting. Her small role to play within the big machine was to paint pieces of such beauty that people stopped and noticed and allowed their hearts to be struck by them. She painted shadow with such love that viewers wanted to be painted over with her shades of black and gray and midnight blue so that they may join them and be a part of that shadow, too. She was small. The world was big. She was afraid. She didn't think there was anything she could do to help its pain. But bravery came one night when she was painting. She had been commissioned to paint something for a wealthy patron, anything. And she had no inspiration. With so many crying out in pain around her, how could she paint beauty? How could she pour love into shadows on a canvas? She didn't know, but she had done it many times before, and she knew she could do it again. She trusted herself to do it again. She set the canvas up. She poured the colors onto a board. She prepared the canvas, and she put colors to it. Maybe it wasn't anything just yet. But perhaps from the colors, from the shadows there, she could find her love again. Maybe the image would come to her, not her to it, if she simply allowed it to. Her paintbrush froze in her hand as she could swear. She heard something. A sound piercing the silence of her room, cutting through the sounds of wheels on cobblestones outside her window on this winter night. Low, 
a hum that had been steadily growing louder, louder, louder. Or was it closer, closer, closer? What was it? Her hand slipped, causing a streak of light across the otherwise dark background of her piece. Ah, never mind. She didn't want to be distracted, not from the thing she loved most in the world, and that was creating her own worlds. Worlds where the bitterness and hatred in the world outside had no dominion. Where magic of all kinds was real. Gods and humans and mythical creatures alike cavorted and laughed and loved and wept together. And perhaps had their conflicts and their dramas. But nothing that couldn't be solved by dissolving and being turned into a blazing star in the firmament. She wished she could paint something that could feed the hungry in her town. She wished she could paint something courageous enough to speak for those who had no voice in this big machine. But she could only paint heroes and spirits whose great deeds had already been sung about for thousands of years. Subjects who were much more courageous than she could ever be. She looked at the flaw she'd created in her surprise at the strange sound. The streak of bright paint on the canvas was like a ray of light shining through from behind, past the structure of the woven thing. Like she hadn't put something on the canvas, but rather created a hole for that light behind it to shine through. And with that, the painting began to make itself known to her. Again, she had always painted ancient temples, glorious forests, people who looked like people from a time much more ancient than hers. The style she and most others painted in was rooted in glorifying myths and legends. And so gods and humans in flowing white gowns, always dancing, it seemed, were usually 
her subjects. But now she painted something else. Something she'd never seen before. A tower. A castle. She wasn't sure exactly what it was. Tall and square. Taller than any buildings she'd ever seen in her life. Broad and full of windows. So many windows. More people could be housed in this building than lived in her entire seaside town. And the light shone through one of the windows, right in the top. Right in the penthouse condominium. Not that she knew what that was. More brightly than a candle or a lantern or a fire or even a lighthouse could provide. On the streets below, small though it was, great carriages without horses carried numerous people and glowed with that same intense radiance. One carriage must have been able to carry over two dozen paved roads, not cobblestone as the ones she'd always seen, had citizens in strange clothing walking down them. She imagined a world where light brought everyone together, even in the darkness. She imagined a future with much light and little pain. She imagined a world she assumed she would never be able to see in her one lifetime. What was she painting? She asked herself. And a voice in the back of her mind answered, using some words she knew and some words she didn't. The source of that sound it said that sound you've never heard before that sound that could only come from a soul in a faraway time or land there is someone somewhere seeing your creation from that faraway time or land maybe not seeing with eyes no one who is here with you not in their other body is their other body in a house, in a room, in a bed, maybe, in a car, a bus, walking down a sidewalk? No matter. Somehow, they are here now, listening to the same sound you are. The sound is much louder now. Do you hear it? Someone is in the story room with us. A writer, typing. A painter, painting. 
a podcaster. Podcasting. People seeking light. Souls creating light. And there is a third chair behind us, facing the other direction, facing away from the fireplace. turn slowly to see who it is, but I only see the back of their head, their long, dark hair spirals in matted locks that float in all directions, like an old, ancient etching of the sun on a treasure map. The sound is coming from their throat which swallows pain and sorrow, not to be rid of it, but to turn it into that sound. That's where that hum, that universe of sound, emanates from. I feel it vibrating in my ribcage, striking my spine, and I feel, perhaps, I can be courageous, perhaps, I can create worlds where pain and suffering and sorrow still exist, sure, they always will, but in the world I create, it will not be turned away from. It will not be ignored. It will not be invisible. We will allow it to reach us. We will shine a bright light on it. And we will allow ourselves to weep for it. We will have the courage to look our world in the eye, take responsibility, and make it what we know it can be, what, in some distant time and place, it already is. I feel it in that humming. The figure with the hair like rippling waves of animated black sunlight slowly turns around, and I see their eyes, dark and empty and deep and spiraling, like the same black hole that is steadily devouring this place. My heart tries to leap out of my chest to jump into the void in their eyes. So beautiful they are. But instead, their eyes jump into my heart. And I feel I understand why my towers and castles keep being destroyed. 
we have to keep creating it over and over and over again. The world, that is. We have to keep doing it. We must keep repeating the cycle. It starts with breath. The world started with a sound that we created. I hear it. I make it. Do you? The figure smiles. And I am again in love. Hello, my friends. This is Kristen Zaza, your writer, host, narrator, composer, podcaster, cosmic devourer, creator of On a Dark, Cold Night. Thanks so much for joining me for episode 263. I hope that you're doing well, finding a balance between rest and creation, growth and acceptance. Just some things the full moon in Virgo has me thinking of. And I've been thinking of our voice, our will, our love, and how we can best channel it into responsibility for the world we exist in now. Or maybe now isn't the right word, perhaps, in this particular plane of existence, anyway. I'd like to thank everyone who supports the show on a monthly basis on Patreon. Thank you so much for your consistent support, my friends. It goes so far in helping this show get created, and I can't have gone this far without you. Every supporter of $1 or more US on Patreon receives access to my complete soundtrack, while every supporter of $5 or more US gets that, a weekly bonus quick moment meditation, and a monthly tarot reading video every full moon. There's a new one up there right now, as of two days ago. Uh, to learn more, visit patreon.com slash darkgoldnight. The bonus meditation episodes are also available on iTunes through a subscription to the Sonar Plus Apple Podcast channel for $3.99 a month. Learn more by looking up On a Dark Cold Night or the Sonar Network on iTunes. And you can donate one time only without any perks at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight or by buying a t-shirt or hoodie at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. 
I would love if you left a rating and a review on iTunes, Spotify, Facebook, or wherever else you like to rate and review podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, Facebook and YouTube at On A Dark Cold Night, Blue Sky and TikTok at Kristen Zaza, or on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night. Thank you as always for joining me. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your courage. And sweet dreams, my friends. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.